The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Well, God bless you, Ecclesia. I have, uh, I have one primary message for you today. Congratulations for making it to summer. This is awesome. It's going to be hot, but it's good. How many teachers do we have in the room? Well done, teachers. You did it. I don't, I don't know how you do it, but we're really grateful that you do. There were some folks in the 9 a.m. service honest enough to say, like, they drafted their resignation letter a few times, but never actually turned it in. So well done to get us through. And for those of us that are even parents, anybody else, like, waking up this 17-year-old, every month it got harder and harder and harder to shake him out of that bed. And it feels so good to just rest and, and have a rhythm uh, that gets disrupted in some really good ways. I, I really believe, Ecclesia, that summer is an opportunity to pause, to look at our lives, and to make some changes. I, I, I've referred to it in the past as a summer selah, right? And in the Psalms, there's this word inserted in places, and, and I'm going to read you one in a minute, where it just is, is like it's saying, hey, take a breath. One of the best things, decisions that I made um, in the last three years, really, is that I, uh, I decided to start seeing a therapist that I'd seen in another context, and I decided to see her individually. And the great part was that she knows me well, she knows my story well, and she's often not only giving me insight, she knows how to read me. And so literally, there's, there's hardly a session that ever goes by that at some point she doesn't stop and say, Chris, breathe. And I'll look and, and literally she's like, do you see what's happening? Your chest stopped moving, your stomach gets tight, you get triggered, you get all worked up, and all of a sudden you're just, just breathe. And all of a sudden, I take a breath. I go, okay, yeah, you're right. Like, I don't want to live like that. And I'm not your therapist, but for many of you, I'm your pastor. And I just want to say to you today, will you take a breath? Just breathe. And take a look at where you are. One of my favorite passages in the scripture is this story where Hagar, who had been the maid of Sarah, and Abraham and Sarah got short-sighted in their faith, and they didn't really believe God, and so they tried to take a shortcut, and, and they, Abraham had a, a child with Hagar. My Arab Muslim friends will call her Haja. So Haja, was, um, she had this baby, and then she was also despised for being a blessing and for having the baby, and at some point, they sent her away, literally with only a bottle of water. And they sent her away, and she's sitting under a tree wondering what will happen, but she knew that God saw her somehow, and she literally has an angel appear to her, and the angel says this to her. She, he's, the angel says, Hagar or Haja, where have you been, and where are you going? And part of my job today is just to ask you, like, where have you been? What's your story? How'd you get here? And where do you want to go? And summer is the kind of opportunity that we get to take a breath and go, okay, yeah, um, I think I want to live a little differently. Now, I'll be honest with you, if I do my job well today, this is what I believe. I have an anthem for the summer. Um, It's a song by my friend Ben Rector. 
And literally, if I do my job well, this will also be your anthem. So Ben Rector's song says this, and it's just, it's, it's beautiful, right? And he just, the chorus, it's a prayer, really. He says, thank God for the summertime, right? And then I love this, this line, no cares, we missed, we skipped that one, but no cares and I'm doing fine, right? Anybody want to no cares and I'm doing fine summer? Would that be, how many of you will never raise your hand no matter what question I ask you? I'm assuming the rest of you want a lousy summer that you didn't raise your hand, right? I, I would like a no cares and I'm doing fine summer. I would like a summer that I go, thank God it's summertime. And I want to offer for you just a few thoughts today that I think if you will walk with me and share these four things, life will be really, really different. It's a Selah. In the Psalms, this is how the Selahs enter, right? In, in Psalm 32, the psalmist is so grateful in part because David, the psalmist, knew what it's like to mess up, to fail, and in the midst of that failure, to find hope and forgiveness. There is no love like experiencing a love for someone that doesn't love you because you're perfect. They love you despite, right? And the psalmist David is saying, how happy is the one whose wrongs are forgiven, whose sin is hidden from sight. How happy is the person whose sin the eternal will not take into account. How happy are those who no longer lie to themselves or others. When I refused, he said, to admit my wrongs, I was miserable, moaning and complaining all day long so that even my bones felt brittle. Day and night, your hand kept pressing on me. My strength died up like water in the summer heat. We know that feeling, don't we? How many of you are new to Houston? Welcome to Houston. Let's talk in a couple of months, right? It will get better. He says, my strength dried up like water in the summer heat. You wore me down. And then it's almost like God is like my therapist and turns to David and just says, David, take a breath. Pause. Listen. Breathe. And he says, when I finally saw my own lies, I owned up to my sins before you, and I did not try to hide my evil deeds from you. I said to myself, I'll admit all my sins to the eternal, and you lifted and carried away the guilt of my sin. And then again, pause, breathe. And over and over in the Psalms, you get these moments where you just need to rest, breathe, look, examine. And that's what I want to invite you to do today. I've got four things that I really believe, Ecclesia, that if you would lean in with me in these four things this summer, we would all be a little bit different on the other side of it. So here's the first one, and believe it or not, it's really important. This one I want to invite you to do this summer. This summer, will you celebrate? Like, really celebrate. How many of you already know that you're going to be going to a wedding at some point this summer? I think there are more of you and you're never gonna raise your hands, but there, we, this is what I wanna ask you to do. If you're going to a wedding, or say you're going to a party or a birthday party, this is what I wanna ask you to do as people of faith and members of this church. This is what I expect from you, Ecclesia. When you go to a wedding, I wanna see you be the last person on the dance floor. I want you to close that place down. Do not be these wimpy, non-celebrating people that show up and eat a little food and leave. No, no, no. You love Jesus, so you have reason to celebrate. You need to be the sweatiest person out there till the very end, right? Because we're made, 
we're made literally to celebrate. About a year ago, I preached a sermon to you that really changed me. It was a mistake sermon. I wasn't supposed to preach it. I ordered a book that I didn't mean to order. Anybody done that on Amazon late at night? I might have had a glass of wine, I can't remember, but I ordered something that I didn't expect to order. I was trying to order a book by uh, uh, the daughter of uh, Renee Padilla, Ruth Padilla, and I actually accidentally ordered a book by a lady named Elaine Padilla. She's a, also a Latina theologian, and I got the book and thought, well, I already bought it, so I, you can't, they don't have a place when you do an Amazon refund for I drank wine before I ordered for a return. So you just have to go, I'm going to take it and I'm going to read it. And this is what Elaine Padilla says in this book. She says, we imagined God all wrong. She says that if you grew up in a church like I did and your idea was that God was pointing his finger and looking and waiting for you to mess up, she says, you're wrong. Anybody have that idea like God's like a referee just waiting for you to mess up so he can blow the whistle? Anybody? And you just have this sense of like, and Elaine Padilla says, no, 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 actually, God made the world so beautiful, right? I mean, just think about it. Why did God make coffee beans? And, and who's the first person that was like, if we grind those up and we pour hot water over it, that would be beautiful, right? Thank God for that person. And, ah, oh, it's so good. That God, a God that made mangoes and artichokes and like the, the beach, the ocean, there's so much beauty. And Elaine Padilla says, actually, God created you for beauty and wonder. And what God's actually waiting for is to belly laugh with you. God wants to enjoy this world with you, not reprimand you when you get it wrong. So Ecclesia, this summer, would you find time to celebrate? Because I really believe, and I believe this at my core, that uptight Christianity doesn't work. I'm actually not even sure if it's Christian. Anybody know what it feels like? Um, yeah, it's worth getting excited about. Anybody know what it feels like to get what they call the yips? You know the yips, right? If you've played golf ever, you know the yips, right? Um, Simone Biles got the yips in the Olympics, right? She's one of the greatest gymnasts of all times, but all this pressure was on her and she felt so much pressure that she literally couldn't do the basics anymore. I do that when I play golf. Like if, if I think I'm gonna go out, I gotta play with, I need to play good. I need to impress these people, right? Every ball's in the water. And all of a sudden I go, I am the worst golfer in the world. And I'll go out there and be like, and be like, I just parred that hole. Like, how did I do that, right? Just cause I relaxed. I gotta tell you, Christianity's the same way. If you're all uptight, I don't want to get it wrong. I need to do it right. I need to, you're not going to live the Christian life that God made for you. If you'll relax and go, God loves me. I mean, that's the point of God's love. Unconditional. You, you don't have to be uptight. You get to go, God loves me. And, and I'm made to love other people. And then all of a sudden you relax and you enjoy this life that God's given you. And that, Ecclesia, is a beautiful life. So this summer, will you commit with me? Celebrate. Find a party. Throw a party. Go to a wedding. Make it a summer of celebration. Then secondly, will you do this? And I'm telling you, Ecclesia, this is the secret sauce. I get people all the time coming to me. My life's good. I got, I got all these good things going for me and I still find I'm depressed. 
I still find I'm, I'm in a funk and I can't quite get out of it. And you know what I find almost every time when I start asking questions about their life? That there's not a place in their life for true service. Ecclesia, you've been given gifts and you're made to serve to do things just for other people that you don't get anything in return. If your life is transactional, everything you do, you get something. And it's, you, you work and you get paid and you do this. There is something about pure service from the bottom of your heart that brings you a gratification and a joy that literally nothing else can. So, the, and I get it, life's busy, schedules are busy, you just sometimes don't make it a priority. I would tell you, this summer, even if you give it up at the end of the summer, will you find an opportunity to serve? And I wanna give, um, give you an opportunity to do both of these. So here, here we go, here's the first one. If you wanna celebrate this summer, I'm throwing some really unique dinner parties in my home. They're small and intimate, eight to 12 people. But if you wanna celebrate this summer, literally go to the QR code, and there are two things you can do with this QR code. One. You can sign up for, I'm calling it a Selah dinner. It's a dinner where I'm making all the food and it's really good and um, the food's good and the experience is good. I get to ask you some important questions about how you wanna live and what is meaningful in life. And you can also on that same QR code go and sign up to serve. We, we got kids camp coming up. We still need volunteers for kids camp. Lead an art time, lead a story time, help clean up after the kids. Go, go help make the sandwiches. Just. Find a place to serve, and I promise you, if you do those things, you will feel happier and better and whole. You've been given gifts to do things that I can't do and vice versa. And when you lean in in those ways, in a way that's not an exchange, you will find great joy in it. Thirdly, I'll try to lead through this quickly because there's a test, by the way, at the end of the service today. It's pass fail. But by the end of the sermon, I'm going to be able to look at you and know if you actually absorb the sermon or not. I don't get to do that very often, but today I get to. So stay after communion because the test is right after communion during the benediction. What was the third one? The third one. Will you use your words, and I mean your words, to speak love into the world? It's not enough just to feel it. It's not enough just to have it in your heart. What we need in this world right now are people that will speak those things into existence with others. I, I was taught, and maybe you were too, this lie at a, as a kid, that words didn't matter, right? Remember that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Bull, right? Words hurt. People, I, I would say especially sometimes kids, can use words to hurt. We have to be the counterbalance for that. Will you tell people regularly that you love them? Don't be bashful. It's not weird. I love you. You matter to me. Your smile makes my day better. Your love and encouragement make my life better. You need to say it, speak it into existence. And I'll tell you, our kids are often filled in negative environments where people are saying things that should never be said. Social media has created the kind of world where people say things that I don't know they would ever say if you were looking them in the eye. Adults, if we are not the counterbalance for that, our kids will be hurt. Sticks and stones may break my bones and words can hurt even worse. Anybody ever have the experience driving through Houston? 
where uh, a fellow driver would like to communicate something to you. And they decide to express uh, that sentiment through sign language. Anybody have one of those, right? And even, have you noticed, even the sign language of a stranger, you feel it in your chest, in your body. Anybody else feel physically hurt by what people expressed to you? So imagine if a stranger in a different car can cause us physical anxiety. What happens when the peers of our children are cruel and unkind? What happens when we or our peers are cruel or unkind to each other? Ecclesia, we must be the force to speak the opposite. And I remember as a kid, right, my parents telling me, I thought, are they kidding? Like, they would just say, Chris is such a good reader. He said, and I thought, I hadn't read anything in forever. I'm a lousy reader, right? But they kept saying it. And you know what you do? You just read more and you read more. And I'm like, I'm a pretty good reader. And we speak things into existence. We tell our kids they're smart and kind and beautiful and amazing. And this Christian community and our families need to be an enclave for that kind of life. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 4. Paul gets... He doesn't say, words will never hurt me. He says the opposite. He believes they're powerful. He says, don't let even one rotten word seep out of your mouths. Instead, offer only fresh words that build others up when they need it most. That way your good words will communicate grace to those who hear them. It's time to stop bringing grief to God's Holy Spirit. You've been sealed with the Spirit, marked as His own for the day of rescue. Banish bitterness, rage, and anger, shouting and slander, any and all malicious thoughts. He says this, these are poison. Do you hear what Paul's saying? He's saying harsh words are literally, they will kill you. They're poisonous. So, so he says this, he says, instead, be kind and compassionate graciously forgive one another just as God has forgiven you through the anointed, our liberating king. Ecclesia, if we spent the summer speaking words of kindness and love, we would not only feel different, we would share something different to the people around us. We're, we're made for it. In our, in our words and in our actions. One of my, uh, Noah's here today. One of my favorite young Ecclesians is a great basketball player. He's actually sitting in the back. And I watched one of, he has a highlight reel that's pretty impressive. But you know what's impressive about Noah's highlight reel? It's the passes that make other players great. I was watching it this week and I just went, I'm so proud of that kid. Because he just, he's building up the people around him, right? And would you just think of yourself in your job and in your family as somebody that makes other people look good, that helps them take the easy shot? and celebrates them, like that, Ecclesia, is a gift. Then lastly, will you do this? We live in a world right now that I believe is trying to make, sometimes make us or certain people feel better about themselves by demonizing other people. And there's nothing Christian about it, nothing. Will you be a person of faith this summer that seeks the outcast that looks for somebody that's on the outside and you may feel like you're an outcast look for somebody that feels like more of an outcast than you are but I got to tell you the current environment that we're in 
Like, it's not good. Sean and I have spent um, the week this week um, studying the book of Acts under the greatest uh, New Testament theologian alive today. His name's N.T. Wright. And we've spent the week just going through the book of Acts, and he went through it masterfully. And Sean and I are kind of fired up about it right now, so we're going to definitely be preaching the book of Acts to you soon. But this is what you need to know in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, there's this sense among the Jews early on that, like, God loves us so much. Such a bummer. He doesn't love everybody else the way he loves us, right? And the book of Acts, God's like, uh, sorry, I love everyone, everyone. At the very beginning of it, he, he does this crazy thing where somebody speaks in one language and everybody hears it in their own language, right? And he's trying to say, every culture, every language, I love them. I love them all. Every time I travel, I pray like, God, please give me that gift of tongues. And God's like, sorry, buy Rosetta Stone, you know, like do the work, work on your Spanish. It's, they didn't have Rosetta Stone. So he was like, I'm going to show everybody how much. And every story in Acts, literally everyone, over and over again, is God extending his love even further than anybody thought. One of my favorites is in Acts 8. And in an environment today, Ecclesia, where I got to tell you, in Texas, we might be some of the worst. The political environment, and part of what's happening is everybody's looking for somebody in the last service, I think people didn't understand. You remember what a boogeyman was, right? People would tell you, like, they're the boogeyman. They're, you're supposed to be afraid of them. And so in Texas right now, some people will tell you immigrants are the boogeyman, or trans people are the boogeyman, or drag queens are the boogeyman, and you're supposed to be afraid. Ecclesia, that's not the story of God. There's nobody we're afraid of. Everybody's made in the image of God. Everybody is made in the image of God. And so our love extends to all people. And the book of Acts, this is the thing, Christians have been the worst about it. And the book of Acts, if you read it, God's just constantly like, oh, you think I don't love them? Let me show you. Let me show you. Let me show you. So in Acts 8, there's this beautiful thing that happens. Philip, already the, the chapter begins in, in, or it ends in verse 26, and he's already in Samaria. No, no Jew wanted to go to Samaria. They were half Jews. People thought those are less than. So in... in, in uh, Chapter 8, verse 26, an angel appears to Philip and says this, leave Samaria. Now it's already starting, like, why are you in Samaria? And then go south to the Jerusalem-Gaza road. Now you don't know all the geography, but still today, Gaza's a mess, and this is a path nobody, no self-respecting person wanted to go on. You'd go this way to avoid people. You'd go this way because you're a leper, you're an outcast, you're trying to avoid the rest of the culture. And this angel tells Philip, go this way. Now, the message was especially unusual because this road runs through the middle of an uninhabited desert. But Philip got up and he left the excitement of Samaria and did as he was told to do. And along this road, Philip saw a chariot in the distance. In the chariot was a dignitary from Ethiopia, the treasurer for Queen Candace. He was an African man who had been castrated. He's often referred to in the scripture as the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, given his situation, he's not someone that would have been accepted in Jewish culture. He's not someone that people thought God is chasing after them. But God wants to make really clear in Acts 8 and all the scripture, guess what? God is pursuing everybody. So what does he tell Philip to do? He says, Philip, go down this road and you're going to see this man. And he says, he'd gone north to Jerusalem to worship at the Jewish temple. And he was heading southwest on his way home. He was seated in the chariot and was reading aloud 
from a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And Philip received another prompting from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit told him this, go over to the chariot and climb on board. It would literally be like being in Houston and just being like, I'm gonna come get in your car, right? And Philip just gets in his car and sits down like, hey, I'm Philip. Like nobody invited you in. But God told him to go, and, and literally, God sends him to crawl into this man's chariot, and he gets in, and the eunuch is reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip says, do you know what it means? And he says, no, I don't know what it means. And Philip starts to tell him what the prophet Isaiah was talking about, and who he was foretelling, and that it was Jesus, and Jesus was the one that loved all people. And Philip had to be like, all people, like me? It's like, yeah, you. And then he turns to Philip, you want to be baptized? And to the whole world, he was declaring, like, my love is for everyone. Ecclesia, if we would live that way and extend God's love to those that feel like they're outcasts, the world would be a different place. I want to invite you to join me this summer and just say, will you be intentional? By the time you come to communion, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Would you ask God, God, would you put somebody on my heart or in my mind that feels like they're left out? And I promise you, if you ask, you're sincere and you think, someone will come to your mind by the time you come to communion. And I want you just to try to include them. Share a meal, have coffee, be inclusive, and express God's love is for everyone. I want to invite you to pray with me. We're going to come to communion and I believe, Ecclesia, that if we would lean into these things, we'd be a people that celebrate well. We'd be a people that serve. If we would use our words to build others up, and if we would look for the outcast this summer, we would feel different, and the world would look a lot different. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.